Jeff Ogilvy survives Wingfoot. Now the moment Aaron Badley has waited. Curry Webb is the five-time Australian Open champion. Golf at its best by one of the best in golf, Peter Thompson. Stand in front of a crowd like this today and win the PGA Championship is pretty special. He's done it at last. Greg Norman. Jones gets his name on the Stonehaven Cup. Leash been to 11 under. Now we've got a new leader, kids. Here it is, Adam Scott. A life changer. Coming up next, you have unrestricted access to golf across Australia and the world. Thanks to Golf Australia, we're going inside the ropes. Subscribe now on iTunes or your favourite podcast app or head to golf.org.au. Hello and welcome to Inside the Ropes, a very, very special uh, Australian Open edition. Uh, one of many, many, many podcasts that we're going to do this year, this week from the Australian Golf Club. I'm joined by the inimitable Mike Clayton. Hello, hello, Mike. I'm here. I'm back. You're back, back from the course. Well, we, we're going to talk to you about that. You are you cutting for Elvis Smiley, the, the son of the chewing gum saleswoman. <laughs> Liz, the legendary Liz Smiley. <laughs> How does she go with that, just by the by? Not sure. Do people even remember? She used oh, to, they so they do. do. It was yeah. on the, that photo of a still frame of that ad was on the back page of The Australian the oh, other day. Yeah. Liz, circa 1985, I reckon. Yeah. Anyway, thanks, Clates, for joining us. And joined by a newcomer to the uh, Inside the Ropes family, but... Not a stranger to anyone who's familiar with golf podcasts in Australia at all. The king of the podcast, Rod Murray. Welcome along. Thank you. Thank you. As you're not quite the keys to the big car, but I'm in the passenger seat and inching closer to the driver's <laughs> seat of the uh, the king of podcasts inside the ropes. I'm feeling I'm feeling nervous. Yeah, me too. Well, we both got Clates here. Well, that's true. We should feel nervous. And we haven't got a dump mm. button, and Clates is a little bit terse. <laughs> Bad so this, combination. This Bad could, combination. This could go anywhere. Yeah. Boys, we've just uh, been privy to round one of the Australian Open at the Australian Golf Club, and it's safe to say that there's stories at the bottom of the leaderboard, there's stories at the top of the leaderboard, and for that matter, all the way down. But I'm going to start in the sky. Uh, a lot of people say I've got my head somewhere up there in the best of times, Rod, but we've seen today something that I don't think has ever been seen, or not in my understanding anyhow, at the Australian Open. A played under an ashen cloud. Well, not, well, we don't know if it's cloudy because it's so full of smoke. And Ash, it's unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Horrendous. And for people of Sydney and various parts of New South Wales, uh, the golf's probably the last thing on their minds. Uh, pretty serious stuff and not, uh, lo- not looking like it's going to clear up anytime soon. No, 100%. We fully sympathise with everyone, including yourself, who, who's going through real hardship out there. Obviously, Queensland and New South Wales still suffering from the fires that have been burning out of control around the traps for, for weeks and if not months now. Yep. Um, full sympathies with those um, facing difficulties with their houses and obviously to the firefighters. Um, just a massive shout oh, out. They're the bravest. Relentless workers. They bravest people, yep. I reckon, Good we have in our society. Uh, Clates, given that we must focus on golf in this podcast, as you mentioned, you've come back off the course uh, with Albus Smiley. You played in the most thick part of the, the conditions. How was it out there? Well, it wasn't difficult. Wasn't much wind. It was um, the greens were not soft, but they weren't overly bouncy and they weren't overly quick. And the course is so short. I mean, I remember playing here 40 years ago. Wow, 40 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and this was a long, hard course, and it's just short. They're all short. You know, Elvis is just hitting 
nine irons and wedges and, you know, he hits it. The par fives, he was on the fifth with a two three woods and a massive hole. Was he really? On a 15-foot. And, you know, the par fives in the back nine, he's five iron and seven iron. And he was in within seven iron range of the 18th green. Seven iron of the 18th green. Could have hit eight. This, just by so the way, this is for a 17-year-old kid. Who's got... Like, there's a bigger equipment. They talk about these guys are better athletes. Come on, this guy's... <laughs> He's, he's the, 30 kilos ringing wet, isn't he? He's the that. thinnest kid you've ever seen. He hits it forever. Big, long leaves. Not Very forever, st- but he hits it yeah. 300 yards. He's easily. got a part-time job as a pull-through for a rifle. <laughs> 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 there are shades of sort of the Ogilvy, Allenby. Yeah, sort of. Ogle, kind of Devlin, yeah. Allenby. Oh, sorry, not Ogilvy, Ogle, yeah. 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 yeah tall well, Ogilvy's everything. thin too, yeah. yeah. Thin. Big, big, long leavers he's yeah. got. And really wow. Nice right. it, was, it, was he longer than the others in the group? Oh. It seems to me that there's yeah, two, two was, distances in golf now. There's long and longer. Yeah. Nobody's short anymore. Well, it was with Pampling and Weir, who are both 50 or Pampling's on the Champions Tour and Mike yep. Weir's on it in May next year. So they're 50 and they still get it out at pretty decent distance. But mm. he, was con- he was either up with them or when he needed to be, he, was, he would bomb one out there 20 yards past them. I'm going to set up for a segue to the bottom of the leaderboard here in a minute because I watched Adam Scott hit his drive up the first to start the afternoon's proceedings oh. and it went approximately... The, the walkway up there was never ever, ever considered vaguely in play and a very safe haven. And Adam Scott's drive on that first hole just went sailing past and went about 25 yards through the walkway. Wow. Uh, well, they've, you know, they've moved that. We're playing off a forward tee when yeah. it used to be a par. It was a much better hole when it was a par five because everything was in the right place. The bunker was in the right place. Yeah. The dog leg was in the right place. Yeah. And we've got, you can't really play from that tee because you're driving over the sponsor's tent and over the trees and they need to build a new tee 15 yards to the left. But... If only we knew a good architect. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, there's a hole that was a par five that was, yeah. was just, I mean, obviously a nice, nice drive out there. I mean, you'd be a little bit nervous in the first tee, wouldn't you? Just oh. bombed a drive with the bunkers and then a wedge on the back of the green. When, whether you're Elvis Smiley or Adam Scott, you're nervous on the first tee of the Australian Open, there's no doubt. Oh. But it, they just make mincemeat of it, Rod. Oh, the, the competition has changed. So mm. they've mastered the game that they've been given to master with the equipment that they've been given to yeah. master. So the, the players aren't to blame. No, they're, not they're, at all. They're, they're doing what they do unbelievably well, and it's extraordinarily impressive to watch. The, the longer-term concern is where do you play that game if it continues on this? Even now already, I don't think anybody who has played or watched golf in this country for a long time would ever have thought somebody could say about the Australian golf club, it's short. Well, and the cut's going to be even par probably. It's short and it's mm. easy. Mm. It's not even a difficult course. Yeah. So. And that's a change. And, right, and well, you know, this was the hardest. This was a feared, mm. difficult, really difficult golf course. Hardest tournament course in the country. Yeah, it was so, brutal. And it's just, it's not the course's fault. No. So the way I started this podcast, I you'd think that Adam Scott had been uh, a flusher and, and devastating all day. As was it, it, the, was as it the last good shot he hit? As it turns out, that was <laughs> the last really good one he hit. He hit a beautiful approach. He missed the putt and didn't do anything good from there on. And <clears throat> Adam Scott has returned a round of 75, four over past 75, to sit in a share of 110th position, uh, which is really hard to comprehend uh, for the tournament favourite the first time, would you believe, that he's played a, t- played a tournament round since April 2018 without a birdie? How about that? Wow. Stats. Yeah, because they, they give you two birdies at 14 and 18. Mm-hmm. Correct. The 14th is played six, uh, 0.6 of a shot under par today. If you didn't make a four, you're giving the full shot almost yeah. back to the field. 
Uh, he made one of very few, a handful literally of bogeys there today. Three putted from nowhere. It was uh, just not an Adam Scott-like performance. Quite odd. So that's the big story at the bottom of the leaderboard, <clears throat> unfortunately. Uh, there aren't many other super big names at the bottom. Uh, there are a few who probably wish they could have done something different. I, I guess Dylan Perry would nearly fall into that category. I expected mm. big things of him. He's also at four over. Uh, CT Pan, another international player for the President's Cup next week, finished at three over. Did finish with a with a um, a flurry on both sides of the card, the ninth and the eighteenth. He had birdies, but that was a pretty much it. He, he was he I didn't fire much of a shot, did he? I watched him. He was out with Ogilvy this morning and started with a six at the tenth and a four at the eleventh and three over after two is not, <laughs> not, not, no fun in program. It's it's, you know, it's it's not kind of. Call Virgin and get me to the President's Cup a weekend early, but it's, you, know, you don't have to trip too far from there to kind of write this week off and get down to Melbourne early. Him and Adam might be practising together at Royal Melbourne come Saturday. So, so he, he's actually... Oh, no pro pros at Royal Melbourne on Saturday. Oh. Ooh, good luck with that. Uh, he's actually in a tie for 102nd. So again, a lot of work to be done uh, by CT Pan as well to get up inside the projected cut line that Clates mentioned earlier on. Uh, other big names probably didn't really figure until we get up to Jake McLeod's probably one we expected to do better than two over. I'm just being very harsh here. Big Easy, Ernie Owls was finished at one over the card. Jeff Ogilvy, only a part-time player these days, unfortunately. One over the card, Clates. Not, you get not, not even part-time, really. I think he's played four or five times this year, so that's not even part-time. He, he was okay. He, made, he had made a... I watched him play the first 11 holes, and then he doubled the... His 12th, the third, dumped it in the water with a wedge, I think. And good, good time to leave, Clates. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> um, you know, that's 70, 72 is not... No, it's not a disgrace, by any stretch. Not, not a deal-breaker this no. week, at this point. But you have to go, go and shoot a good round tomorrow. Someone else who fought back right a little bit, probably, perhaps not as much as I'm about to make out, but the defending champion, Abraham Anser, was, uh, he was uh, a shell of the player that won yeah. at the Lakes last year when he left uh, the 10th tee this morning very early doors, uh, open with a bog pair of bogeys, had another one on the 13th and another one on the 15th. He was in trouble early, but he did fight back a little bit. Yeah, look, he did, and that's what good players do, and Clates will sort of attest to this. It's the easier of the two nines, so to start with two bogeys, he would have been yeah, a little nervous about how things were going. Uh, if you're going to get it back, you need to get it back late on that, that back nine, because the front nine, which was his second nine, is not the scoring nine at this course. That certainly seems to be the pattern, Clates. You, you don't want to go into the... Well, it's only because the last three holes, at seven, eight, nine, are I mean, seven, you know, I almost flipped it on with a 54-degree mm -hmm. wedge. A pin was almost in the water today, yeah. though. It was, it was not yeah. a bit. Yeah. But backing up, Eight's Rod. a driver seven iron, and nine's a driver seven iron. I mean, they're not that hard. Well, backing up Rod's beliefs here, I've got the numbers here to support his theories, Clates. The back nine, which is a par 36, played 35.558 on average today among the field. And the front nine, which is par 35, played 36.389. So nearly one and a half shots over par the front nine and nearly half a shot under yeah. par on the back nine. Yeah. What do you make of that? Fair enough. Clever research. <laughs> clever research. <laughs> Brilliant well, research. That's yeah. terrific. <laughs> Can't argue with the numbers. That's not how it feels. But, but golf's not played by the statistics, no. is it, Clay? So, uh, yeah, certainly the players would have been feeling, all of those players you've talked about would have been feeling like they should have been several shots better than what they finished. Yeah. That's the simple the simple well, just, of it. You've got so many nine-irons in your hand and wedges mm. that mm. you feel like you should be shooting what the leader shot. Yeah. 65's a pretty honest score for um, someone who... Had played well and knocked some putts in. We are working our way to the top of the leaderboard and doing this in reverse because that's just the way we feel here today. Abraham answers. We wrapped up there 72, one over the 
card 72 to start. Greg Charm is a dual champion, fought really hard. He was four over through the turn, made four under on the back nine to get back to square. That was a good effort. That's gritty. I, that was impressive from him. Um, I, I was actually quite impressed by um, uh, Maverick Ancliffe until he had something that he all, he wasn't sure whether he moved it. He, uh, he couldn't quite vouch for whether he actually hit his second shot or not. Unfortunately, took a double bogey six on the on the from the right side of the sixth fairway, uh, and it sort of halted his momentum. He was in a really good position until then. Uh, finished up even par. As we press up the leaderboard, he's I might... a real player to watch, isn't he, Hazy? That Maverick Anklev. He's, he's impressed in China, and a lot of people wouldn't know that. But three wins on the trot, I think, up in China. There, winning golf tournaments isn't easy at any level. That'll give him a lot of comments. He'll be disappointed to have, to have had that one bad hole today. I think. I agree. And he was he's very calm. He's not the person to get, you know, throw the toys out of the cot. So he was still fine with it. Uh, Elvis Smiley, the aforementioned, is a, among a group of players at one under the card. It includes, I'm, I'm really impressed by Elvis, by the way. He did, he did a great little interview with me after the tournament, after the round today. But he's alongside these names. And this is how impressive Elvis Smiley is. He's alongside Nathan Green, Rian Gibson, Cameron Davis, a previous champion, Sergio Garcia, uh, Stephen Allen, a former champion, Michael Hendry, Brett Rankin, they're all at one under par. Um, he'd be pretty happy, I reckon, Clates, to uh, sit alongside Sergio Garcia after most tournament rounds. Yeah, he would. Well, <laughs> Clates, th the question is, th there's a million ways to shoot 70. Yeah. Should it have been 64 or could no, it have been 70? No, what sort of 70 was it? No, it should have been 70. It was uh -huh. about, you know, he made a couple of good up and downs on the early on, two, at four, two and four he made good up and downs. He he made little mistakes. He had threw the fairway at six into the bush, and it was kind of wasn't that bad a shot. How, how you know, much, had to chip it out. Um, birdied eight, tough hole. Made a had a bad drive at ten on the on the edge of the bunker, and thought it was going to fly, and made a bogey, and then birdied the par five. And but it was, it was just a good solid. He was a good player. You know, it was just a good from a seventeen year old kid. It was really impressive. The first round of an Australian Open, one after eight. You know, he's playing with Mike Weir. Mike Weir's kind of looking at it going. Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah. That's what I wanted to ask. How much of that experience is not only playing in your first Australian Open, but playing alongside Mike Weir, a legend, yeah. and Rod Pampling, an Aussie legend? They were perfect guys to play with. They were yeah. great to play with. I mean, quiet, encouraging, just, you know, don't, no, don't carry on, no fuss. And just, you couldn't get two better guys to play with. All right, I'm going to, I'm going to he, take... He, so he must have felt really young in that group, Clates, with you on the bag, Mike <laughs> Weir and Rod Pamplin yeah. playing. He would yeah, have felt even younger than his actual yeah. age. Well, and the two caddies, two other caddies, and we, yeah, there was, there weren't, we were probably all on the wrong, almost on the wrong side of the 50, the whole lot of us. And there's this 17-year-old kid kind of, what about with these old pricks for? Um, <laughs> I knew we'd need that yeah, dump button right, at yeah. some stage. I'm going to take a diversionary um, manoeuvre here and get to the top of the leaderboard yeah. and start working back down because the other big stories today, if you take out Adam Scott and the ash in the sky out of the equation, the Australian Open rod is being led by two Asian amateur players. It's astounding. I followed uh, Takumi Kanaya this morning, the world number one amateur. I followed him for a number of holes. Extraordinarily impressive player. Probably an unorthodox looking action, but... Mm -hmm. Gets the ball around the golf course. He won the Visa Taiheo Masters in Japan two weeks ago. He won the Taiheo Masters. He won the Visa Taiheo Masters as an amateur two weeks ago. Uh, so a massive tournament. He, very much so. So the young man can certainly play. There's no question about that. His coach, Gareth Jones, is an Australian. He coaches the Japan national team over there. And he was adamant after the round that... Uh, 
particularly. He, he won't be at all phased by leading the tournament. Uh, that won't affect. If you won the Tahoe Masters, you're not. Bothered well, that's about, a, yeah. Well, that's yeah. exactly right. That, that is a big event. So, a phenomenal start. An amazing story for us. For us in the press, Hazy, we love it because it's a great story. But who would have predicted at the start of the day that two amateurs would tail up Adam Scott by ten shots? No, it's almost unthinkable. And the rest of the field by two. Next best on the leaderboard is four. Ben Everill, uh, who's going to be joining us on Australian Open Radio through the week, and the PGA Tour writer from Australia described him to me as Hideki 2.0. Not in terms of his swing or anything like <laughs> no. that. But they both went to Tohoku Fukushi University. I didn't want to get you to pronounce that, Clates. Both reached number one in the World Amateur Rankings, and both have won on Japan Tour while they're still amateurs. Yeah. That's a that's good company to be. Hideki Matsuyama. Yep. yep. So I think um, Gareth is up there. Craig Bishop. Bishu teaches in Perth. He's working with the Japanese. The Japanese have got a there's a very Japanese looking swing though. I mean mm. it was, um, Masi Kurumoto and Tommy Nakajima they were really, you could really tell a Japanese golf swing when you saw it. It was just as you can tell an Argentinian or a Spanish swing. You know Cabrera and Romero and Sevi and those guys who play with this kind of freewheeling kind of Why Japanese. is that close? I don't know why it is. I mean Cultural you, or? An interesting study right? why mm. they why Swings from different parts of the world look different. Mm. Like, partly it's the way they're taught. Partly it's with the Argentinians. That you know, Peter Thompson once told me he said, "Sevi will be in trouble when he learns to read English and, the inst- and people start talking to him in English about. <laughs> they'll, start, they'll start telling him how to play and all, all the things he's doing wrong, which actually didn't turn out to be true right until the end. Mm. But you know, they don't. They're not brought up with traditional English instruction. Mm. You know, they're not reading Jack Nicholas's book. They're just out. They're learning golf in the caddy yard and. I mean, More art than science? Yeah, absolutely. And Cabrera was the ultimate kind of, mm. you know, Argent Latin player who played with flair and yeah. didn't, you know, didn't care much about. It. I mean, he clearly cared about technique, but you know, it was a free willing. You know, let let me add it. You can't have a bad golf swing and win tournaments. Yeah, obviously. Whereas Australians are much more analytical and you know, try and break the swing down into the minutest little bits and they're mm. doing this right and do that right, and we just we just look and look at the game differently probably the Americans are probably a lot like us the British too but the Japanese wanna, have got their own look I want to put it on the record that, uh, that Justin Falconer did tip Takumi Kanaya <laughs> uh, if you want to send donations to uh, the get Falconer a haircut cause uh, he's he's the one to thank if you back Takumi Kanaya because of Justin Falconer don't get in the queue just yet because he could stop the Southern Aurora, uh, Justin Falcon. So don't worry about that. He's alongside Takumi Kanai's alongside Chunan Yu, mm-hmm. Rod. Better known to all his mates here is <laughs> Kevin. Kevin. Uh, and Kevin went six. I wanted to say Kevin went seven, but Kevin went six <laughs> under today. Um, a brilliant young player and a man from Taiwan. Yeah. Just just fantastic. We collared him after the round. I didn't know anything about him previously. Uh, terrific. Lovely young bloke. More than happy to come and talk to all the press. Uh, seven birdies, one bogey, I think he said he had on the day. Second time he played here. He played here for four years ago, I think he said. Finished tied 25th. Um, clearly a good player. You you don't shoot 65 if you can't play. Uh, he seemed also completely unfazed <laughs> by the whole thing. I asked him, what are you amateurs doing? He said, oh, we just try our best and away we go and do it. So I don't know, Clayton. We know that they're professionals in waiting, the amateurs at the top of the game these days, the really mm. elite ones. But the, the the parts of golf that you tend not to be able to master, the technique is one thing and the track man's, and they've all got access to that. But the putting together of scores under pressure, they, they seem to be able to do it so much earlier these days. I mean, that's real pressure. The first round of a national championship for a, for a young man like Kevin is, I would have thought, you'd, have th- you'd think that's a pressure cooker. But six under, 
Yeah, well, there's well, no one else on Sunday, but... You know, their techniques are better. Mm. They've been looking at their phones since they're 10 years old, and they, you just film your swing, and if it's too much outside or inside or too up or too around, or fix it. How much does that contribute to, to contending in golf? Do, do, do you find that come Sunday that's less of the art? Or, no, or more of it. Or more of it. Yeah, I mean, Feldo kind of proved that. Mm. You know, the better your Imagine technique... Imagine Feldo with an iPhone. Oh. Well, he never... Yeah. But, you know, so these kids know so much more about their swing. And there, there are so many orthodox models to copy and to... Mm. So... You know, we see so much orthodoxy. That's true, but Takumi Kanai is not that way. No. So it's interesting. Now, let, let's keep moving on because I think we're, we've got so many stories Louis, here. Louis is favourite, isn't he? Well, there's a handful of guys here. Matt Jones is the uh, obvious Australian standout uh, right now. Home track, played here a million times. One here, in, one on Australian Open here already once before. And second last start here in, in this event mm-hmm. as well. So he, he just did pretty much everything as you'd expect today. Nothing's spectacular well placed at four under the card Dimi, Dimi Papadados did likewise uh, Joe Charlton told me who was this uh, referee in his group that he did it in second gear today Dimi Papadados with a 67 to start Daniel Nisbet from Queensland followed suit uh, and then to me Blake Windred uh, it was visibly nervous on the first tee today <laughs> barely got his drive away compared to where he normally hits it but really steadied down uh, and played a great round, three under the card. But then we get into the probably the bigger names. And, and as Clates rightly points out, some of the higher-profile players who are well-positioned here, Cameron Smith, Jason Scrivener, uh, Minwoo Lee to a lesser extent in the high-profile category, but Louis Oosthuis and Paul Casey, who nearly had an albatross on the 14th today. Uh, and your man, Clates, another one of your my men. My man, my US Open bag. Lucas Michel. Lucas Michel, yeah, who... So at 68, the U.S. mid-amateur champion who is off to Augusta. Magnificent. Wing. Well, it's a good score from Lucas. Is kind of well, he's 25. He, mm-hmm. he can't. He's not kind of a kid anymore. No, he's not a kid. So he needs to be up there playing decently. And so at 68 was a good score from him. And let me just get the other players on 68. So Daniel Gale, a, a local product here from New South Wales. Uh, Scott Arnold, another New South Welshman. James Marquezani from Victoria. Ben Eccles from Victoria. Uh, we mentioned most of the others, but then it, alongside Lucas Michel, Rod, there are three more amateurs mm. in this lofty position. Laurie Flynn from Queensland, Hayden Hopewell we spoke with on AO Radio from Western Australia, and would you believe Jack Trent, mm. who's now played five rounds in our full vision, and they've all been exemplary. So he's that kid who played the tournament in America, right? This is the yes. Yes, kid, kid who won playing for UNLV, a college tournament that got him a start in the Shriners Hospital Open on the PGA Tour. Was on the front page of the leaderboard for four rounds in Las Vegas at the tournament that Rod Pampling won a few years ago. Yeah. Finished in the 20s somewhere, late mm-hmm. high 20s, but only because he got overrun, uh, not, not because he went badly, just the, the leaders lit up mm-hmm. on the last day. He was right there on the front page for most of it. He's come out here in the first tournament he's played in Australia in, in anger in since he was 15, so six years ago. I was going to say little bugger. The big bugger is <laughs> massive. Cards are 68. It's, it's extraordinary. Oh, it bombs at unfeasible distances. What we actually need here is a new category. Uh, amateur is the wrong word. Uh, there needs to be a middle category between those of us who play recreationally 
Dennis Pugh's big on this, calls us hobby golfers. Yeah. Uh, those who play for money and those who are about to play for money. And he's yeah. very much in that category. And I really do think it's a trend. We had a uh, in Golf Australia magazine who I do some work for. They, they wanted some prediction, big, bold predictions for next year. And I was thinking about things a couple of weeks. And I thought, here's a bold prediction. An amateur is going to win a big event at some point. And I thought about it and thought, it's really not a bold prediction, is it? That that's really has become the truth. There's no actual surprise here. If this had happened 10 years ago, you'd have been staggered. But we're not staggered well, now. Well, that's not quite true because Tony Gresham hmm. won the New South Wales Open. Aaron Baddeley won Graham. the Australian Open. We know that. But there have been real outliers. Mickelson yeah. won on the tour. And Gresham was a career amateur player. Mm. He was really a professional amateur. Mm. But he's just kids who are just pros in waiting. Really. Mm. 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 So... Yeah, so, and, and so yeah, to, to me, and I know, and it is impressive, they're, young, they're still young players and they're amateurs, but it's not quite the right word. Yeah, that's no, a fair comment. Um, but I think that all those guys, Trent, Hopewell, Flynn and, and Lucas Michel, all making their Australian Open yep. debut. Mm. It's a tournament they've grown up dreaming about pegging it up Certainly in one day. And to, to come out and yeah. shoot 68 in the first round, I think, is uh, credit to them all. Um, those on 69, Ingham, I can't read them all because they're... There are many. It was about par today, wasn't it, really, 69? Yeah, it was about par. I'd say these guys are all tied 21st, yeah. so there's 36 guys. 70 was fair par. 70? Yeah. Sorry, well, Clades. Sorry, Clades. 70, 69. <laughs> there, there are actually 36 guys at two under or better, so it's a fair indicator of the scoring out there. Mark Leishman at two under, and with him there, I'm not going to list them all, but Cam Percy, Peter Lonard was interesting. KJ Choi just wound back the clock. Rod Pampling, your playing partner, two under. Clates, Brett Rumford, two under. Uh, and a handful of other young kids there, pretty much, alongside um, oh, Andrew Martin's probably not so young anymore. James Anstis. Had a hole in one last week, Andrew Martin, at the New South Wales Open. Did he? On the second hole, yeah. There you go. Um, and uh, He's pretty well placed too, Clates. You mentioned Louis Eustazen at three. Yeah, but Louis is a... He's a classic. Now that, now that um, Scott's not going to probably probably not going to win, then Louis is the man to beat. Now, if you do, you say that at the expense of Paul Casey or anyone above those guys on the leaderboard. Yeah, he's the best player, isn't he, Louis? No, well, rankings don't say so. Casey's the highest ranked player. Yeah, in the field, but... no, Louis is a flusher. He's... <laughs> yeah. I, did, I, did flick, I flicked through flicked through Paul Casey's uh, round today. He had. Uh, um, he had myriad chances. Mm-hmm. Couldn't find a birdie for, for love nor money early. Did find one just at the end of the first nine, uh, but then nearly had that albatross. It was a spectacular shot. Not yep. sure of the club he used. It looked like about a four, maybe a five iron on the 14th. Went within three centimetres, four yeah. centimetres tops of dropping in for an albatross. Haven't seen one of those for a long time. I speculated that it might be uh, Adam Scott at number eight at the Lakes uh, back in 2011, That's I think, nice from, uh, from memory. Um, it was, would have been a spectacular shot. Still was. Kicked in the eagle. Sort of got him up to within the you know reaching distance of the lead at three under. It's all set up. If you could just sort of somehow port <laughs> Adam Scott up the leaderboard 100 spots, it would be exactly how, what we'd hoped for. Uh, unfortunately, the 2009 champ is going to need to do something special to make the cut right now because, as we said earlier, and Clates right off the top of the... Uh, the program said you need to have made par. That's where the cut line would be. We've got uh, 73 players at, mm. at par or better. So Adam Scott's going to need to get to at least a 67 tomorrow to have any chance of playing at the weekend. Yeah, the, the, the problem's not so much the scores, as it quotes, but the number of players ahead of him. It's not the number of shots. It's the number of players he's got to try and go past. There's, there's not, just not much chance that 50 players are going to play not particularly well, you would think. Yeah, but you make three birdies and you've gone past... 
Yeah, fifty of them. Yeah. So, so I mean, it's not it's not unre- unreasonable to think he would make the cut. I would imagine. Him. I expect he'll make the cut. He's out early tomorrow. Yes, early seven oh five off the tenth tee. No, he's going to shoot sixty seven. No problem. Hmm. He's going to need sixty seven to make the cut. Yeah, no problem. Is it? Is, that that's what separates those players. That he can walk back from a seventy five yeah. and, and shoot sixty seven tomorrow, and it won't be like he's broken stride to do it. It's a, it's not that far beyond what uh, what he could have had today. So, Have you got any closing thoughts that don't require a dump button? <laughs> uh, no, no. It's unfair on Casey. Casey's re- good. He's clearly really good. But Louis is an amazing player. He's never played on this side of the country. So. Which for, is almost For anyone who wants to see a proper player play yeah. golf, then come and watch Louis play golf. He's a proper player. Beautiful, beautiful golf yeah, swing. swing. We all get enamoured with the... The rhythm of the golf swing, but technically it's phenomenal as yeah. well. You watch the shots; it's just it is a thing of joy to watch Louis yeah. West as a player. I absolutely endorse that. And he uh, rushed away from the uh, media s- or the score return media area here and went and practiced soon after his round. So that's you know you he's, go. he's still got the drive there. Rod, uh, it's scintillating debut on inside the race view. I'm sure you're going to come back, and especially seeing if I drag you kicking and screaming from the media centre. I'll get the keys one day, Hazy. I'll get into that driver's seat, <laughs> and then I'll have made it. Episode 132 of Inside the Ropes. It's in the can. It's the first of four special editions here at the Australian Open from the Australian Golf Club in Sydney this week. I'm Mark Hayes. Hope you've enjoyed it. We'll come back and have another yak to you tomorrow.